Hi, this is Bob, and today I have an interview with Joel Hoekstra. Joel Hoekstra is one of the hardest working artists in the industry. To Joel, it's not work. It's just a labor of love. Whitesnake, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, Revolution Saints, Iconic, and a solo artist. No matter what the name is, this guitarist delivers 100%. Now Joel has released a new solo album entitled Crash of Life. And this is an album that delivers 100%. And here is my interview with Joel Hoekstra. Hello, my friend. Hello? Joel, how you doing, my friend? Hey, I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? Doing great. I wanted to thank you for taking time to speak with me today. Absolutely. Thank you. I wanted to ask about the recording process for Crash of Life. How did it go for you? Good. It was sort of, um, I would say, very guitar riff driven this time around, like, um, some things were from past writing sessions and were things that I thought would fit. Um, you know, like Damaged Goods is something that I was kind of writing for a Michael Sweet solo album and something that he didn't select. And I thought, well, that was pretty cool. I think that's usable, like, and could be a cool tune. Um, so uh, that's just like one example that comes to mind. So uh, and then others were written specifically for this. And some of them had melodies that I would play on guitar uh, as well. And that goes to Vinny Apice. So Vinny gets me playing to a click um, mm. and tracks his drums. And then from there, it goes to Tony, who tracks bass, obviously, Tony Franklin. And uh, from then on, it, things can almost happen simultaneously, you know, because I can start doing real guitars as opposed to the scratch guitars that are done to click. And uh, simultaneously, Derek Sherinian can do keyboards, even to the scratch guitars, and lead vocals can go down, um, even without guitar overdubs, etc., or keyboards. And the only thing that's really necessary from then on is that obviously backing vocals um, from Jeff Scott Soto can't be done until uh, Girish uh, was done with his lead vocals, right? Because you got to right. be able to sing to the lead vocalist. So. Right there, you kind of hit a period where several people can work at the same time. And uh, yeah, that kind of is the fastest moving period. And then it moves into the, the mixing process, and, and then, there you, then you're done. <laughs> I wanted to ask you if you could speak on the song Through the Night. It's one of my favorite tracks on the album. Yeah, that's actually something that I – that's one that was from a past – um, recording idea. We I had done uh, "Save Me from Loving You" with Tony Harnell, and we kind of like coined it "Echo Bats" just during COVID, as like a just a fun project, you know, during mm -hmm. quote unquote quarantine at that time they were calling it. And then uh, so basically, I had given him that, and he liked it at first. He said, "Yeah," and then he was like, "I don't know." And so I I, I liked the idea, and I thought, you know, I can heavy that up. And it's interesting because it kind of has some R&B-ish changes for, um, I'd say, what's kind of an 80s-ish sounding album, you know, 80s influenced album, certainly. So that was uh, that was definitely the most questionable in terms of does this fit? 
um, you're right for me and don't have words were things that I had done when Russell Allen and I were talking about maybe forming like more of an actual band. And uh, so I'd kind of given him some riff ideas. And so that there, there's a handful of things on there that came from stuff like that, that I was like, well, that'll definitely work. That sounds like it would fit on the album. And then other things I kind of then wrote around like, well, what does it need? So some of the heavier stuff came later. Um, I would say, you know, like everybody knows everything and uh, far too deep and then torn into lies. The world, that, those were all stuff that were kind of written around like, what does it need, you know, um, mm. and for the collection of songs. And speaking of turn into lies, how did the video go for that? Yeah, I mean, the, I think, you know, one of the letdowns was Gearish was, you know, we were hoping to shoot the four of us together, Vinny Apice, Tony Franklin, myself and, and Gearish. And then there was work visa issues getting him to the U.S. Um, so Gearish had to, you know, shoot his footage in India. And we kind of had to somehow do a lot of overlays and kind of, you know, create a little bit more of the illusion that the four of us were together. But Tony, Tony, Vinny and I all shot together the day, both, both songs after we had done a rock and roll fantasy camp in LA. So I was there, we were all together, same hotel and everything. And we thought this is a good opportunity to get this done. Um, so yeah, that's how that came about the video for far too deep and torn into lies that people can obviously check out on YouTube. And as a guitarist perspective, uh, what track was the hardest for you to lay down? Um, you know, I mean, when they're your riffs and, and your solos, none of it feels particularly like challenging, I would say. You know, it's like it's all stuff that sits right in my wheelhouse. It's my riffs. It's a much easier mm -hmm. thing than when you're um, in a band and you're covering other people's solos or other people's guitar parts. So they're all stuff that comes very naturally to me, I would say. And I mean, the other thing is that the majority of this stuff isn't necessarily laid out to like prove my guitar prowess, so to speak. It's more, more about the songs for me on these than anything. Um, I just want to create albums that have songs on it that kind of show like my influences and what got me into this style of music. And I also wanted to ask you if you could speak on the album artwork and the artist that was involved. Yeah, she's great. So the trick is with her now. She goes, her maiden name is Robinson, but just got married and her last name is Gilbrook. And sometimes she goes with Chris and sometimes with Christiane. So I'm not sure what she's labeled as on the, the I think Chris Robinson on the uh, actual artwork. Um, but she did the artwork for running games too. Um, She's just somebody that I saw, she was posting some of the graphic artwork design that she had done. And I thought that looks cool. I should have her do my next album um, before running games. So, and I thought she did a great job on running games. And then this one, um, you know, we were kind of like going with these other ideas. And then she said, you know, I, I had created this idea, this other idea that's not, you know, wasn't for your album, but what do you think of this? And she sent me the head with the, you know, the kind of the crash into it with the birds flying out. And I thought, well, that's perfect. And I think it's really creative and cool looking and it totally fits. So it was almost like one of those meant to be kind of graphic design things where I said, that's, that's perfect for what we're, 
trying to do here. And, and what lies ahead for you? What's uh, what's uh, next in line for you? Uh, I mean, I, I'm constantly busy, bro. I'm prepping, prep, I'm prepping today to I'm going to Romania in a couple days to do um, to play the intensity festival over there with what they're calling. They labeled us the gods of rock for whatever, you know, with a Z gods. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of classic rockers. It's Simon Wright uh, from ACDC and Phil X from Bon Jovi and Ripper Owens and Jeff Scott Soto and uh, Gilby Clark, um, obviously from Guns N' Roses. And so, you know, we're, we're going to play like a set from music from our bands and, and a couple other little tidbits in there as well. And uh, so in addition to that, um, you know, as far as the iconic project with Michael Sweet and Tommy Aldridge, I've sent in the songs, uh, the riffs to Michael for that. So that second album is in the works. The second Revolution Saints album has been recorded. As far as my live gigging goes, um, I'm mainly gigging with Brandon Gibbs doing acoustic duo shows. Um, so we're, we got some North America stuff coming up and then we're going to do Europe later this year, I believe. And um, I play with Broadway's Rock of Ages band, just kind of doing fly dates right now this year while the Whitesnake farewell tour is kind of, you know, in limbo, uh, depending on, you know, what David wants to do, of course. And um, I have Trans-Siberian Orchestra coming up November, December. So as far as live stuff goes in the interim, you know, uh, counseling at rock and roll fantasy camps. I've been doing quite a bit of that and teaching virtually. Um, I have roughly 25 students a week, something like that. Um, so, you know, between it all, between all the recordings and the getting ready to play live sets. Oh, I'm also going to be playing a set in Geneva. Um, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce the, the name of the festival, but it's a guitar festival, guitar on scene, something like that mm -hmm. um, in Geneva, Switzerland. And that's coming up in July. So I'll get that set together. And that's something where a few of us from the White Snake Band are going to play with Marco Mendoza. So um, Dino Jalusic, uh, Michele Lupe, and myself are going to be a part of that. Um, and it's just kind of, I think they're focusing on kind of a career retrospective of Marco Mendoza because there's a Thin Lizzy set um, that they're doing as well that has like, you know, Mickey D and some other people that are a part of. And, um but I'll be a part of that White Snake set and ish set, White Snake music related set. Um, yeah, so I mean, constantly going, bro. I mean, it's just like every day is like, all right, this is what I need to do. Yeah, I'm sure sometimes you got to wake up and go, where am I? I mean, the touring is a lot of like back and forth this year, which is more challenging, you know, doing the fly date stuff where you go and you fly and you fly back, especially when it's one offs, when you go to play one gig, that can be, you know, more challenging physically because you'll be like, well, I had to pack. I had to go travel to do that. It's much easier to be on a bus and be in a groove, kind of settled in doing the same set for a bit. So, um you know, no complaints. I mean, in the end, it's really good for your playing because it forces you to play an awful lot of guitar. I mean, between the teaching and the prepping for things and recording, it's not unusual for me to have the guitar in my hand six, eight hours a day. So um, in the end, that that's good for me as a musician. 
And I also wanted to ask you if you could take me back in time. Um, tell tell me how it began for you. How did you start your musical journey, and at what age did you begin? Well, my parents were classical musicians, so they had me on cello and piano at a very young age. What I believe was three on cello and uh, seven on piano, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then it was really age 11 that I got the rock bug. You know, I, I, I heard ACDC back in black and I actually saw Angus on what was the very beginning of MTV. And I just thought Angus Young was like the coolest person I'd ever seen. And um, I sort of just saw him and, you know, it was like that, you know, everybody talks about the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show. Well, for me, it was ACDC on, on MTV, you know, seeing Angus and being like, that's what I want to do. I want to do that. I want to be him. Um, so I went to my parents and asked for a guitar. And I think they were like, yeah, great. And picturing like Segovia or something. And then. Next thing they knew, I was like, you know, playing Black Sabbath um, and and ACDC, and they were like, "What what have we done here?" So, <laughs> um, but you know, that it's uh, yeah, it began very early. I I actually am grateful that they had me do all that at a young age because I think that really instilled like qualities like pitch and time in me, like musical fundamentals at a young age. So when I went to go learn guitar, I feel like I had a little bit more of a jump start, like a head start, you know. Like right. my, my ear was already developed to hear pitch in time. So um, when it came to learning songs, I was able to teach myself a lot of songs by ear. And along that journey, what do you feel has been the best advice that has been given to you? Um, you know, I, I don't know that I've ever really had like, you know, any full blown like great advice i think it's just kind of formed through like um just what's worked like when i analyze how everything has worked out and i just recognize that like for me it's all been born through hard work you know um so just to like work really really hard and then it, just sort of do your best at everything that's presented to you and try and do everything you can uh, within reason and then certain things take off and and so oftentimes things work out that you wouldn't expect you know my two primary examples are playing on Broadway and Rock of Ages which that went over six years and really um, you know changed my life for the better but I was never like the 11 year old kid sitting there with my guitar playing I Tony Iommi riffs going someday I want to be on Broadway you know um, and the other example being playing with Cher, you know, so these, the, the, these things happen that you can't really foresee sometimes, and they turn out to be really amazing things at the moment they happen. But the, you know, I think it's, it's important for people to remain open-minded and just kind of work hard at everything. And then it's funny how certain things take off and certain things don't, if you get too specific, like, you know, you may kind of doom yourself. And uh, when you do have time to come up for air, um, do you have any hobbies beyond music that you enjoy? I mean, I'm a pretty simple guy outside of that. <clears throat> I enjoy watching uh, baseball, basketball, uh, movies. Um, I play basketball as sort of like a fun outlet, um, something that I enjoy doing. Um, but pretty simple stuff, man. I mean, music is a huge part of my life. So um, I would say the downtime outside of that is pretty limited. Um, 
you know, dur even during movies, I tend to like rewatch the same movie a lot so I can kind of like respond to fans on social media, et cetera, and kind of get work done during that process as well. So I'm a little bit of a, well, I'm, I'm not a little bit, I'm a lot of a workaholic. Like it's, it's a, it's a big part of like what I do. Um, just cause that for me, that's like the, well, that's how everything has happened for me. When I trace it all back, it all comes down to like, well, I, I did all this and that led to this. So I just kind of keep doing that and hope for the best. And that leads into another question I had for you. Do you feel that that hardworking attitude is the key to longevity in the business? <clears throat> well, yeah, I mean, I think there are certain exceptions to the rule. Some people are kind of born ingrained with a lot of connections or um, something where things come easier to them. So it's not like a 100% blanket statement. But I think if, in general, if anybody's looking to build a career in music, they have to be prepared to work harder than most people do at their jobs, um, which is kind of ironic because I think the the allure of people wanting to be musicians a lot of times if they're kind of headed down the business path or whatever, they think, man, that'd be great. It's almost like they feel like they wouldn't have to work. Um, <clears throat> like, man, I, that would be great. It would be like, I wouldn't have to be, you know, working. It's like, no, no, it's actually going to be much more work to get into that. Um, people just don't necessarily recognize that. I think it, it takes, a, for me, it's taken a lot of work and uh, to kind of go step by step to get where I've gone with everything. And on a lighter note, I wanted to ask you if you could give me your funniest road story. Oh, gosh. I mean, there's an awful lot of them. I mean, the, the, the funniest stuff always tends to be the spinal tap stuff, you know, where, um, you know, something goes wrong on stage. And I always refer to a trans-Siberian story where, you know, at the end of the show, we'd go out over the arena on the, what they, I guess we call the kiss arms. There's like platforms that kind of rise up and take you out of the crowd and you're kind of playing for the upper deck, et cetera, of the arena. And then, um, then they close back down to the stage and that's the end of the show. Right. So, well, during one show, I went out there and I thought, man, it feels like mine is moving slower. And I look and, and the arms move in symmetry. So on the other side of the stage, my bandmate Kayla Reeves is playing up on the other one. And I noticed hers is much closer back down to the stage. And I went, wait, something's wrong with mine. Mine's moving way too slowly. And so it, what had happened is it had kicked into like safety mode. Like something had, you know, obviously gone wrong and kicked it into you know, moving incredibly slow. So basically the show, the song ended while I was still in the air and the show ended while I was still in the air and the band literally assembled for the bow uh, on stage as I was still drifting back down to the stage. So it was incredibly spinal tap. Like it was <laughs> the entire arena was aware that something had gone wrong. So very, uh, that was extremely spinal tap. The, uh, my storytelling doesn't do it justice. It was pretty funny in person. And I also wanted to ask you, what's the best way to get merchandising and physical copy of this album? Um, so there's a link, but a, a great place to start, you know, would be Frontiers website, which, uh, you know, offhand here, um, I should look it up. I'm like in front of my computer here. If I, if I look up Frontiers SRL, what their exact web address is, uh, fr frontiers.it is a great place to start. 
in terms of ordering the album. Um, there is also, there's a link that links you to everything in terms of streaming and buying um, for Crash of Life. And um, I can see if I can pull that up here. I don't know if I have that directly in front of me, but um, gosh, I might, I might be out of luck on pulling that one up. Um, I, I need my phone. It's <laughs> there's a, there's a link that everybody can head to. I mean, in terms of linking to any of my social media stuff, they can just go to my website. I've got kind of a difficult name, so I'll spell it for everybody. Joel, J-O-E-L, last name Hoekstra, H-O-E-K-S-T-R-A.com, joelhoekstra.com. And then you'll see on the side, there's a link to all my social media stuff. I do, uh, you know, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I'm on Cameo if people want to get like personalized greetings and stuff like that. And and uh, that that website in particular has got a lot of info on me. So I think that you know David David Coverdale calls it my Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> it's got you know uh, virtually like everything I've done kind of listed on there. So um, that's a great place to start at least when researching me. It has to be such a pleasure working with Dave. He's uh, such a great personality and very genuine. Yeah, David's been amazing, man. You know, um, really, really great boss and friend. And, you know, I feel like David and I have formed a friendship at this point in time um, that kind of goes beyond necessarily just the employment aspect of it, um, which is cool, you know, just that I, I feel like we got a good like relationship and um you know it, it's uh he's been really he's lived up to every expectation and really exceeded every expectation at the end of the day when it came to joining white snake in terms of what he's done for me so you know i'm very grateful to david for everything he's uh everything he's done um it's been a great experience um you know working with him this whole time and and whatever his vision is whether it's getting back out live or it's recording or you know, even just to, if he just wants to collaborate on some things just between, you know, uh, the two of us, even if it's not for release, then I'm, I'm, I'm into it. You know, David's a, he's a great cat. And lastly, I wanted to ask you, if you could give a message to your fans, what would that message be? Yeah, this is always where I get really cheesy, but um, it's, I would just say, you know, thank you so much for all the support, whether it's like, streaming a song or downloading an album or uh, buying the album or coming to a concert that I'm a part of, or, um, you know, even just writing words of encouragement in an inbox. I mean, all that stuff goes a long way with me. It's all part of that positive support that's allowed me to live my dream, um, which kind of sounds self-important, but really at, at the end of the day at 11 years old, man, all, all I wanted to do is be a professional guitar player. You know, I just, I, it's, it's already exceeded anything that I thought I was going to be able to do, to be honest. I mean, I was in suburban Chicago where you're not supposed to be able to do this stuff, you know? Right. And uh, I do have one more question I wanted to ask you. Um, being from Ohio, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is here. I wanted <laughs> your opinion on the Rock Hall. You know, 
I'm not necessarily big on any of that stuff. I, it's like the the award show, like the Grammys, any music awards shows or Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I find it has so little to do with what I actually do that it doesn't really impact me at all. Um, certainly seems like, you know, when I read things online, people that do tend to get uh, wrapped up in that, that there's a, you know, a lot of dysfunction there in terms of bands that are actually enormously important to rock. And there's some artists that are great artists, but maybe not under the umbrella of rock that are in there. So, you know, stuff like that always, it, to me, that's like beyond my control and it doesn't really have much to do with when I'm talking about like, Hey, I'm, you know, recording an album today uh, or I'm teaching guitar lessons today, or, you know, I, I have a gig today. So, you know, my work, my day is usually very much filled with like music work. And that's what I focus on more than like the, you know, what, what artists are getting acclaim from some, you know, sure. community of people. I, 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 you know, I've never been in the rock and roll hall of fame. I don't, it's, you know, I, it's probably the whole concept of it's probably extremely overrated to be honest. I mean, like, I, I don't know, but I, it's, it's unimportant to me. See, and, and being from Ohio, Ohio's very rich in, in rock and uh, metal. And it's always been had a great fan base. And I think a lot of Ohioans are just kind of disgusted with what it's become. You know? Yeah, I know. I, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of people that, are very frustrated about it, but I think in general that's awards shows and uh, awards tend to always be a little ill focused, you know, and very politically driven. And um, so I, you know, in terms of like what that actually means to me as a working musician, see, I guess, I guess what I would say is that I kind of operate on this level of like creating success in a world that's not like quote unquote cool. Right. Um, so like I like in no you know lifetime do I think I'm gonna have like one of my songs on mainstream radio you know so it but I've managed to make a, a really cool career for myself it makes me happy doing what I do so like that's at the end of the day that's really kind of what I focus on is what's under my control with this stuff um so, yeah, I understand the frustration, though, especially if I lived near nearby and that was like a, you know, a tourist hotspot and would be good for the community, et cetera. And, you know, I, I understand that being from Ohio, that you'd be frustrated about that. I do have to add, though, that Turn Into Lies does is a very good song that definitely could generate as a single. Oh, thanks so much. I don't know that that is straight ahead enough to ever, you know, be any kind of mainstream song. You know, I think it, it, it veers off enough that, I mean, it's, I think that most of what I'm doing is catered towards people like myself. We, we exist in this subculture of people that grew up on the classic rock. You know, for me, that's like a lot of that is the 80s, but I'm also a big 70s guy and even the 90s to a degree, like some of the bands from the 90s were influences on me because that was, you know, I was still a young guy that was in my 20s, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, like I could cite Soundgarden, Alice in Chains and Stone Temple Pilots pretty much as my, you know, bands from the 90s that I, I 
respect and uh, think there was a lot of cool stuff there. Um, so some of the 90s stuff even bleeds into this, I think, at times. But, um, you know, and definitely the 70s, man. I, I, the 70s, there was a, you know, I love the fact that the bands were virtuosos collectively. It wasn't necessarily like, boy, that guitar player is the fastest guitar player I've ever seen in my life, but that they would sort of build this um, virtuoso sound as a unit. You know, there's just so many bands where the talent level was so high in the 70s and, and great songwriting. And it was all kind of geared towards that, you know, um, like band level talent um, and, and also chemistry. You know, the 70s, I think they had the opportunity to kind of grow up, at least in the Chicago area where the drinking age was 18 and you could play live shows and making an amazing living doing it on a local level. Um, and so you just get, you know, an incredible amount of valuable experience. It's odd uh, times have changed, you know, like you're a lot of times talking about artists like paying to play nowadays, um, sure. you know, if they're trying to get started, it's very difficult out there for, for younger artists. I'm concerned about, you know, I, I couldn't imagine right now if I was trying to like break my band as a 20 year old or something like that, it just would be incredible. Like uh, how much work that would take. Absolutely. Well, I wanted to thank you, Joel, for taking time to speak with me. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you, my friend. Yeah, right back at you. Thanks so much for the time, and, and thanks for all the kind words. And um, hopefully we'll, we'll talk again down the road, brother. Absolutely. Uh, please feel free to update me at any time with any new news as it comes about. I'll be glad to get it out there. Sounds good. Well, I totally appreciate that. Thank you, my friend. You have a great rest of your day. All right. You too, brother. All right. Cheers. Bye-bye. Today's podcast is dedicated to my mother that passed 25 years ago today. Without you, none of this would have been possible. You always believed. And for that, I am forever grateful. I'd like to thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can sponsor the podcast. Just click that button and you can be a member of the family. And remember, come see me for a fix.